You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the Week Ahead podcast with Chuck and Rachel. Um, Chuck, how was your weekend and how was your week with no travel? Hey, it was great. Um, we had a, actually the kids were off from school, so we had a four-day weekend, which was really nice. And we didn't go anywhere, <laughs> which was not what my what my wife and uh, and kids wanted, but uh, it worked out. It, it was what I wanted. We did some family things. It was kind of fun. No events last week, but this week, uh, packed schedule. You're first heading to Ashland, Virginia, and then we decided to fit in a stop in Washington, D.C., which I'm excited about that one, and then on to Northampton, Massachusetts. So, yeah, let's let's do a little rundown. Uh, what are you thinking about those upcoming events? Yeah, I'm going to be taking off here in uh, an hour or so, and heading down to the airport and flying out to Virginia. We've, we've been trying to make something happen in Virginia for a long time. It's one of the few states that I have not uh, spoken in as strong oh, okay. Yep. And so uh, this week um, we had some, some great members keep kind of pushing on that and making that happen. So, yeah, I'm going to be doing uh, some public things, some private things over the next couple of days in Virginia and uh, really excited about it. I think it's going to be a good time. And there is there's a member meetup uh, in Virginia uh, tomorrow at 5:30 p.m. at the Ashland Coffee and Tea, and there's more info on our website, which That's I'll right. post. So join us if you're in the area, even if you can't make it to the uh, other event, just come and hang out for a little bit. Uh, and then the Washington D.C. event, which we kind of pulled together at the last minute, and we are partnering with the American Conservative and Congress for the New Urbanism on this one, which is a bringing together two awesome organizations. So that's, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. I, I was looking at the calendar. We were trying to figure out like, how do I get from, I think it was Richmond, Virginia to uh, Smith college up in uh, Massachusetts. Um, you know, I, I had basically had uh, Wednesday afternoon, you know, I got done at noon on Wednesday and, and Thursday I had to be in Massachusetts. What, what do we do? And, the flights were all really goofy. They were really odd. Um, mm-hmm. The best ones were out of Washington, D.C. And I was looking at that going, well, I'm pretty close to Washington, D.C. Why don't I just go up there and fly out? And then it became a sense of, look, why don't I just, uh, why don't we do something in Washington, D.C.? I'm going to be there. Got nothing going on. So we mm-hmm. made two calls. We called the uh, the American Conservative, which uh, I've written for in the past, and we've got some really good connections there. Uh, we also called the Congress for the New Urbanism, which I've been a member of for a long time, and we've got some deep, deep connections there as well. So would you guys be interested in, in partnering together to uh, put on an event? And they both, like, it, the, com- the ask was like three seconds. Like, yes, we'll mm-hmm. do this. <laughs> so it was very quickly put together, and uh, we've got a room for about 100 people, and I think it's already sold out if I'm right. Um, tickets are free, but we've already gotten, I think, full RSVP. So it's going to be fun. Uh, and then we're having a little dinner after that, and I'm heading out uh, the next morning to Smith College. Yeah, that'll be as part of a like a lecture series that's happening at the college, I think, on landscape design and the environment. Um, but it is open to the public, so if you're in the area, 
you can uh, come on over. It's at 3 p.m. on Thursday. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's been – I was there in that region, um, that specific part of the world, like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And we actually had really good turnout at a couple of events. Uh, people drove a long distance and uh, we had really good conversation. So I'm anxious to see what happens here. Um, you know, I, I know the university itself, the student groups has set up some some interesting stuff, but I, I think we might also get a good smattering of the public there as well. So, yeah. You've been if doing my voice a- holds out by Thursday. Yeah, huh. I hope so. You've been doing a lot of colleges this fall. Um, is that a fun environment to speak in? Is it different from... The other sorts of, you know, like city council chambers or planning, yeah, like conventions and stuff. Yeah, um, I it it is it is different, and I don't. I'm not going to say that I like it better. I I actually, it, I think it's challenging for a, a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, one really good, and and one you know, uh, the, the really good one is that they generally wind up to be more intimate groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, less couple hundred people and more like 20 to 30, which is funny because like two or three years ago, 20 to 30 would have been a huge group. Now it seems like small and intimate and we can have a a nice conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the people who attend those tend to be people who are in the mood to have a conversation, you know, that they they want to, uh, they want a job about stuff and they've got a lot of ideas and they, they want to talk about things. I think um, one of the challenges is that schools tend to be, you know, universities like that tend to be intellectual bubbles too. True. And so uh, a lot of times you're, um, you know, you're dealing with people who have a certain worldview and then that's like their worldview and that is, you know, by default, the world. And a, a lot of what we do at Strong Towns is, you know, covering a, a broader spectrum. So when I, when I was at Yale... I think a lot of the people at Yale um, had a hard time envisioning a community that didn't look like the one in which mm. we were in. And, uh, you know, so, so to have that conversation is kind of, it's not, it's not bad, but it, you wind up uh, finding different ways to explain the same kind of thing uh, to make it, you know, a- applicable to them and help them kind of understand a world beyond the one that they're inhabiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a challenge. It's a, it's a fun and interesting challenge. I find myself telling more stories and using more anecdotes, yeah. but, um, you know, it's good. So today you published an article about the uh, school in that your kids go to. This was sort of an in-depth look at the, how kids get to school, the drop-off oh, situation. I was embarrassed because I started writing and all of a sudden I realized I was at like 2,400 words. <laughs> I added like, a oh few gosh, like headers what is going just on? to um, break it up a little bit. Break it up? But That's I good. think this is an interesting I, I, piece because it's a really specific situation that you're describing. Uh, you know, your school, their specific layout of the drop-off zone, yeah. drop-off zone. But at the same time, this is something that like probably most parents, unless they live in a you know, really urban place where kids are just walking to school um, or like taking the subway to school or something like everybody has experienced the school drop off zone if they have kids or if they were once a kid. Right. Well, it's interesting because the school district gave this presentation last week to the Brainerd Planning Commission and I'm now on this year on the Brainerd Planning Commission. So I got this hour plus long presentation 
And I mean, I, I had, by the time I got done, I had two pages of questions and I, I, I asked questions for half an hour and only got mm-hmm. through like a quarter of my questions. So I have like, I have a ton of questions about this project that the school's looking to do. Basically the way that school funding works is once every 25 to 30 years, we do a huge bond referendum and invest millions of dollars into building new schools. Um, that happens, you know, here all over Minnesota. It happens in other states as well, but I'm very familiar with how we do it here. And, you know, part of the conversation this time around mm-hmm. is, again, closing more neighborhood schools, building more schools out on the edge. And, you know, one of the things was dealing with this pickup and drop off issue. And I remember when the school opened, the, the one that my kids go to mm-hmm. now, I remember when it opened back in, I think it was 2005. Everybody was shocked at the huge backlog of people trying to pick up and drop off their kids. In fact, the school officials were saying, you know, we we weren't prepared for this. We didn't think it was going to be this much. And then they started kind of backtracking and say, you know, this Mm -hmm. is just early stuff. This will work itself out in time. It really never has. It's always been kind of a nightmare. And the, the thing about it is it really wasn't hard to predict. I mean, I know that's easy to say after the fact, but when you you know, have a bunch of neighborhood schools where we have a huge district. So a lot of people live way out in the hinterlands and, and they're driven in or bust in. But when you take the people who actually live near the neighborhood schools and now you tell them, guess what? You have to travel way out to the hinterland to go to school. Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody is getting bust or driven in. Like nobody's walking, nobody's biking. Everybody is. So all of a sudden we're shocked that all these people are getting dropped off. And, you know, it, 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 the, the solution that they've come up with is another like massive bond referendum to do kind of the same thing over again, but then essentially throw more mm-hmm. engineering and resources at building a bigger pickup and drop off lane. And I just question whether it will work. You know, I mean, there's the whole induced demand thing when you make it easier for people to drive, uh, you know, more people are going to do it. Um, and I laid out some, what I thought were very simple things, you know, non-expensive incremental things the school district could do to try to address the problem now, as opposed to using it as one of the leverage points in this bond discussion. It kind of wound up to be a little bit of inside baseball stuff. Um, cause the more I, the more I got into it, the more I'm like, I could go on forever about this. Um, but I hope it gave people an idea of, how a lot of these problems that we just deal with as like simple problems, let's throw more money at it are actually far more complex. And if we just sat back and thought about it and, and approach things in a little bit different way, we could get a lot better results without not only without spending the money, but I think without, uh, you know, doing some things that long-term we're not going to be able to undo. Yeah. You offered several different ideas for how, this problem could be mitigated without spending a lot of extra money. Everything from, you know, using, asking the security guard to manage the parking in a different way or letting kids be dropped off at different destinations. Um, yeah, a lot of different options that could solve this that don't involve huge infrastructure spending. And uh, Well, we, we don't think that way because that would, you know, basically the tool we have are these huge bond referendums every two or three decades. Yeah. So, you know, we tend to look at all problems 
uh, in that rubric and try to solve them all in that way. And a lot of these problems are not, you know, they, they have other implications. I mean, I, I, I made the point in there about my daughter. Um, Stella would go to the local neighborhood school here. Mm-hmm. And if she were to be bused home, she were to take the bus home. We live like 1.1 miles from school. So she qualified to ride the bus. And mm-hmm. every now and then we would have her do that. If I'm gone or, you know, my wife's working, she'd ride the bus home. She would, on the bus ride home, uh, get picked up at the neighborhood school, driven through the neighborhood, driven right past our front door, like look out the window and see her front step right Mm -hmm. there, Uh, and then driven another six miles out to the school out in the middle of nowhere, uh, pick up some more kids, including my oldest daughter, uh, drive all the way back into town and then be dropped off, you know, 200 feet from our house. Mm She had a 45 to 50 minute bus ride that could have been four, wow. you know, five yeah, that's minutes. Ridiculous. Yeah. And so, you know, you wonder like, why do parents not put their kids on the bus? Well, you know, I actually want my kid to be home. I, I you know, the, you look at the things that kids do during the mm-hmm. day and the, the, the last thing I want them to do is to spend 50 minutes getting transported something that, you know, they could, they could bike in, in seven or mm-hmm. eight you know, like why, why would we put them on a bus and have them driven all over n- nowhere, uh, you know, for a trip that should take a, like a very short period of time. So we just, she never rode the bus. I mean, if we ever had the option, uh, we would either bike it or I'd pick mm-hmm. her up and you know, the same goes with Chloe. Um, you know, I, why do I want, I, I really don't want her as a kid, you've, you've got more going on in your life, you know, like spend all this time just sitting there on a bus. I'd, I'd rather I'm home and out playing and mm-hmm. out doing stuff. So we don't, you know, we don't put them on a bus. And I, to me, that's not a hard, you know, that's, that's not a difficult thing for the school district to grasp. I, I, I don't know why that is such a hard concept. for them. And this goes back to an issue that we've talked about several times before on our site and on the podcast, which is school location. Like if those neighborhood schools were still around, there would be a school within biking or walking or at least a short bus ride distance for most kids. Um, And then this wouldn't be such a huge issue. Right. And their argument is, you know, the school district has said, and because I brought this up at the meeting when they're looking to tear down another neighborhood school and build another one out on the edge, um, you know, our district is huge. We have people driving, we have people coming in from all over the place. And, you know, my counter argument is, is okay, that's, that is true. All those people who are coming in from long distances chose to live long distances away. Not, you know, the people who live next to the neighborhood mm-hmm. school did not. But then also, you know, right now today, the people at the neighborhood school have the, uh, have the option to, mm-hmm. to walk a bike. Um, you know, you, you're, you're basically taking that option away from them. Uh, and saying no, everyone must be driven, or everyone must take the bus. And you know, to to me as a school district, uh, you know that makes no that doesn't make any sense. You you, you already have this kind of fragility uh, to gas prices mm-hmm. to what have you uh, with the busing system. And you know why would you want to just increase that? You know why wouldn't you want to have options for people? Um, apparently not. It's not a, not a big, you know, not a high priority when you look at everything through the kind of prism of efficient 
facilities. And, and really that's, that's what the funding system drives is a conversation about efficient facilities. By the way, if people are interested, um, I do this uh, other podcast with uh, KXE, <laughs> a local radio station here, called Dig Deep. If you just go on like any podcast thing and look up Dig Deep, uh, you will get a podcast with myself and a guy named Aaron Brown. He's awesome. And he is awesome. And we've had him on Strong Towns a couple times. Uh, this past summer, we did a whole episode on school funding. Oh, cool. And got into a lot of this. Yeah, it's an hour. They're, they're three 20-minute segments. They run them on the air. And then they release them as a podcast. Uh, so those are available online. And we get like really deep into this conversation. It's pretty good. Aaron's a great guy. Well, I'd like to take a minute to say thanks and welcome to some of the newest members of the Strong Towns movement. And I should mention that every time I list this, there are always people who aren't on the list because they've they've asked us not to publicly say their name. But I just want to say thank you to all those anonymous people, too. Um, you guys are a huge part of what we do. So last week, Absolutely. the people that joined us were Nick Aceto of Portland, Maine, Joseph Brander of Park Hills, Kentucky, Michael Crimmins of Simsbury, Connecticut, Nitin Gadia of Ames, Iowa, Jeremy Lawrence of Melbourne, Australia. Ooh, international. Awesome. Um, ben yeah. Leroy of Champaign, Illinois, Larry Matson of Yakima, Washington, Margaret Morse of Traverse City, Michigan, Kendall Ramirez of Gallup, New Mexico, Joe Schluender of Columbia Heights, Minnesota, Kurt Stamp of Seattle, Washington, and Susan Walden Wells of Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you guys for supporting Strong Towns and for joining us as part of this movement. Yes, thank you. Next week is Surge Week. Yeah, so if you remember, you you probably got an email from us last week with a little bit with a little announcement about this, but we're going to do uh, we're calling it Surge Week or like a, a readership drive of sorts where we're going to republish some of our best content of all time um, all throughout next week, and we're gonna you know spiff it up and you know do a nice layout and new photos and stuff like that because some of these are were from quite a while ago, um, back when we didn't have quite the capacity to do all those sorts of things. And, you know, everything can always benefit from a little, uh, spruce up edit. So a little refreshing. Yeah, yeah. We'll be, um, getting those, uh, on our site and rerunning them. And we ask that you guys take, uh, one or two of those articles, whichever ones you love most and share them with someone. Um, this is a really good opportunity to, introduce people to strong talents if they haven't heard of what we're doing before. So these will be like some, some of our biggest deal, best articles. So they're like a really great introduction to what we're doing. So we hope that you will participate in that. And it's not too late. If you have an article that you've loved from, um, strong talents in the past, and you'd like to maybe see that featured next week, um, shoot me an email with that. And I'll be putting all that stuff together very soon. So I'll keep that in mind. Um, and we've already got a lot of great suggestions from people on their favorite articles from the past. We've crossed the million unique reader mark. And uh, I mean, that, that is a measurement that we've had for a long time now. Uh, we look back at the last 12 months and we say, how many people have, how many unique uh, people have mm -hmm. accessed our site in the last 12 months? And you know, two years ago, that number was around 270,000 mm -hmm. in, in October. Um, this month, it is crossed over 1 million. And so in the last 12 months, we've had uh, over a million different people 
access our content, something like 2.8 million page views. And, and I mean, we've, we've had a ton of traffic. It still astounds me. And, and it really, I mean, it, it probably shouldn't, but, um, it still sounds to me that I go places and run into lots of people who say, mm-hmm. I've never heard of strong towns. Um, so what we're trying to do is say, okay, let's just have a week where uh, let's 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 try to eliminate the low hanging fruit of that subgroup of people. I've never heard of strong towns. Yeah, we all know that we have some friends. I mean, even I will admit this. I have like some friends and family members who I've thought, oh, they would probably be interested in what we're doing at Strong Towns, but I just haven't taken the time to actually talk to them about it or email them about it or even just like share it with them on Facebook. So this is your nudge to do that. Yeah. We want to make it easy and uh, we want to make you look really good doing it. So plus it's yeah. a really good opportunity, especially if you've just, you know, joined us in the last few, few years, even this is an opportunity to read some stuff that you may not have seen before. We're, we're kind of dipping deep into the archive to pull out our best stuff. So I'm, I'm betting there's going to be some pieces that you haven't read before uh, on there. So We'll probably just run a, a normal podcast that week, but I was going to put together an article of maybe like, you know, a summary of our favorite podcasts. I don't know. What do you think, Chuck? Yeah. No, I think that'd be great. What are we doing the week after? Uh, the week um, after, which is part of the reason why we're talking about these like statistics and reflections on the year. The week after that, we're doing a staff and board retreat um, in California, which is exciting because what? I haven't seen you guys in a while. And it'll be nice and warm. (laughs) And it's like we, whenever we get together, we are incredibly productive because there's just certain conversations that we can't really have successfully and meaningfully over Slack and like intermittent video chats. So when we're in person, we get a lot done and we're all very talkative. (laughs) It's amazing how much we get done, you know, working virtually and uh, not seeing each other in person for months at a stretch. We're like incredibly productive. I I look at our uh, scrum backlog, all the things that we tried to do this year and have gotten done. And it is impressive. I mean, there's a long, long list of things that we've done. Um, But getting together is always a great time. It's always fun. And then it's always also, um, you know, just really, uh, like you say, we get a lot done in a really short period of time. And uh, we may, you know, enjoy ourselves a little bit at times too. So I'm especially, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah. Everybody. I'm especially excited that Michelle is joining us because she typically hasn't been able to join us for those events. She, she only works part-time and has some kids at home. So we usually don't make her tag along for this stuff, but this one she's coming. That's awesome. We also have, yeah, I is. think it's okay to announce this, our newest staff member, yeah, yeah, Bo, Bo um, who I haven't met yeah. yet. We've been working with him for a few months now, but uh, he is going to be at this at this event, so that's exciting. Um, and also, all of our board members are decided to show up. Oh, really cool. It's interesting because I, I, you know, we planned this for the staff, and then I asked the board, I said, would any of you like to be there? And uh, one one after the other, and they said, "Yeah, we'll be there. That'd be great." So we have a we have a really uh, involved board, and uh, you know, a group of people whose opinions I r- really place a high priority on. And uh, I mean, they've helped me a ton. So having them there is always good intellectually. It keeps us uh, keeps us grounded and keeps us you know thoughtful. So yeah, this is gonna be it's gonna be fun. And um. 
you know, to make this, it's kind of funny because uh, to make this like affordable for us, which is a big deal. um, I, uh, I asked everybody, I said, can we just do one house instead of uh, hotel rooms for everybody? Because hotel rooms for nine people, uh, I guess it'd be really, really expensive. And uh, everybody said, yeah, sure. That'd be fine. So we actually are like renting the strong town's mm-hmm. house and doing our retreat, Summer there, which is going to be kind of, uh, yeah, I was thinking that it would be like four or five of us when I did this and then it wound up, you know, no, now it's six. Oh, now it's seven. Now it's yeah, eight, good nine. Thing you got the house with a bunch of bunk beds. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got a house with like 10 or that, that like will fit like 10 or 11 people comfortably. Um, but yeah, it's, it looks like me and the board will be sleeping in bunk beds, like, you know, uh, summer camp style. And I, I haven't, I haven't broke that to them yet. I haven't told them all that. So yeah, I thought let's get them all there and then I'll, then I'll drop that on them. Like, Hey, um, I'll take the top bunk. So, you know, you're gonna have to climb up there, but, um, yeah, it's kind of funny. I haven't slept in a bunk bed since the army. So well, it'll be fun. Be yeah. We're good excited time. for that. Yeah. All right. Well, we will wrap it up for today. But um, again, if you're in the D.C., Virginia, uh, Maryland area or Massachusetts area, please uh, check out the events. I'll list them in the show notes and maybe you can join us for some of those. That'd be fantastic. Thanks. Rachel. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.